foremost front part of that jump. If a front leading edge is 80 centimeters, it used to be 80 centimeters, they've now reduced it to 50 centimeters. If it's 50 centimeters, there's no need for frangible or what we term frangible or deformable things. And, and so over that, we then start getting quite selective. So in terms of the design of the jump. Now, I can assure you that I'm, I'm, I'm probably the foremost uh, uh, course designer in Group 9, and I've, uh, and I, and I've been, I represent Group 9 at, at uh, international level. When we go to any research project, we've been to Luzerne and sat in lectures about jump design. The design of a jumper is very, very critical to how horses jump it. And remember that unlike show jumping, we're going downhill, we're going uphill, we're going at angles, we put ditches in, we jump. We lots jump of variables that play there There's for an you. enormous amount of variables in the way we jump. So we have to understand how a horse approaches and jumps all these variables. Show jumpers, okay. yes, they can go higher, faster, but they understand that the surfaces are all absolutely okay. nine or ten times flat. Ours are not flat at all. So horses going downhill jump in a different way to horses going uphill. Horses that approach water approach in a different way to a horse that just jumps a water tray in show jumping. Water tray they're very accustomed to, but you must understand that a horse doesn't understand how deep that water actually is. So they actually will back themselves up and jump it in a different manner. So if you put a big jump in front of a water fence, uh, and, and, and it's open with poles that they can see the water, they back up even more. So jump design and course building is an art. And it's an art that is so important to the, to, to, to the sport that you can either make the sport or break the sport through the way course designers build and present the fences to the horses. You understand they're traveling in a lot faster than, than any show jumper, any dressage horse probably, even an extended canter, we are traveling at a much faster pace. So the horse has to think faster and has to be more agile. The rider has to think faster, but we must actually prevent, provide them a fair contest that they can read the jump and understand what we're asking them to do and have a fair chance of doing it correctly. So while we're talking about jump design, Douglas, what are the levels of eventing in South Africa from what one of your entry-level, hopefully grassroots riders listening to this podcast is going to enter, right up until you did say you wanted to discuss your Olympic qualifiers. Okay, so we've introduced in South Africa what we term the Challenger Series, whereby we've introduced a competition at 35 centimeters. That's brilliant. So this and is your project. Riding schools, any riding school can run this competition. We've designed a set of portable fences of eight fences that can go on the on, in a horse box or on the back of a bucky and deliver, they can run this thing. And, 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 and it's taken off like you can't believe. Georgie, it's so successful. Uh, we introduced it last year. Uh, we had some test events. And this year, I think we've run about 40 events through all, through That's various. Great. In fact, we, we've opened up new provinces. Free State has had five new venues. Northwest has started. Limpopo, we've had our first events in Limpopo. It's just taking off. Because we didn't realize there's a lot of people at the lower levels actually want to gallop around in the bush and jump over some logs and things. Yeah, that's, that's why we all got horses, Douglas. That's what so much fun. I can remember as a kid building little jumps of, of brush in the in the yeah. forest behind the house and taking the ponies out to jump it. That's what it was all about. And so so we, we've opened. So there's our starter level. Our starter level is at 35 and 55. We have challenger series at those two levels. 
and um, that's been rolled out countrywide. And Douglas, before we, before we progress up the grades, if any riding schools are listening and they want to get involved and take advantage of this initiative, who do they contact? They contact Matthew Smith at Eventing South Africa. Just go to the website. His details are there. He's in charge of our development projects. And so we have we have sets of portables that go from place to place. We they, they, It's for free. We deliver them. People collect them, and they can run uh, the Challenger Series. Fantastic. And it all goes online, and the, and, and the competition is scored online by Eventing South Africa. You can grade yourself against all the other riding schools. You can rank yourself against all the co- all the riders in, in the country. And uh, the dressage test is so simple. It's so simple. It's just a little bit of, a, of a, uh, an equitation figure of eight to start off. We don't want to make dressage a barrier to entry for, for, for young kids. So it's a bit of a figure of eight. You do your dressage, you do eight jumps in cross country that are laid out in a specific order and five jumps, uh, show jumps at your level, whether it be 35 or, or, or 55, and we then uh, score you. And you can go online, at, lo- upload it from a where, from uh, the, the show holder will upload it from an, a cell phone. It's online and all the, all, the, all the competitors can see their scores and how they rank in South Africa. Now, that's the that's first. Great. Yeah, that's lovely. That's created an enormous amount of enthusiasm. So we've rolled out the Challenger Series throughout the country. Um, the next level up is we have uh, the 65 and 75, which we deem as non-affiliated. Okay. However, it, it is a, just simply a step up from 55, whereby uh, riders can come. It's at a lower cost. You don't have to be full members of, of, of SANF, and you don't have to be full members of ESA. You can be a temporary member, and you can then produce to continue your, your progress in 65 and 75. After that is 85, and you have to be fully affiliated because now we have all our safety aspects involved uh, and controls. We have a safety officer. Uh, we, we, we have to have ground jury. Uh, we have to dress as judges, cross-country technical delegates, courses, all fully qualified. That then takes us from 85 to 95. Then we go into the FER categories whereby we start at one star, which is 105, Two star, which is 110, three star, which is 115, and four star, which is one meter 20. And you must understand one meter 20 in four star is a, in show jumping, it might not be a very big jump. But if you're coming downhill at uh, 550 meters a minute and you've got an upright at one meter 20, it's a really tricky jump to jump. And if I put a ditch underneath it or I put a drop behind it, it makes a whole new complex. Um, Douglas, I don't think any show jumpers would argue that with you. That's that that really is um it, it changes the sport significantly. So yeah. and Douglas, what is the spread in South Africa of our lower levels to FEI level riders? Because I'm I imagine with these frangible uh, pins and you were saying deformable jumps, there's quite a cost associated, and that must be, you know, not prohibitive for eventing, but certainly one of the challenges your sport faces. Well, what what eventing? We identify that the risk should be the risk should be identified and actually solved by ourselves. So we've got a set of portable of, of frangible devices. Okay. Uh, we are currently in the process of training all our all our course designers on the use of the frangible devices, what type of jumps they need to do it, and uh, we then provide the whole kit to them, and it can go from show to show to show, so that we are with the utmost highest international safety standards for all the jumps that we are providing 
for the uh, for the competitors to jump. That to that for us is fundamentally important. And and being part of the FEI family, we have access to all their research and what they do and why they do it. So this is really important for us. To me, as the president of Eventing South Africa, safety is first. Horse welfare and rider welfare is absolutely paramount. So, Douglas, maybe we can take a bit of a segue into the safety elements now. Eventing, of course, you did speak about the social license. And unfortunately, it is one what is perceived as being one of the more risky sports, of course, with good reason. Um, but there have been amazing changes made. And one of the ones that I've become aware of now is, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe you used to be able to have the rider could fall off twice on the track. And still continue, and now, for example, that stopped. No, absolutely, allowed, no, you know, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, um, let, yes. let, me, let me go through that with you, Georgie, quickly. Is that if a ride has fallen off on course, how do we know that it's not concussed to a certain mm-hmm. extent? So uh, the new rule says if you fall off, you walk home. That's that simple. Mm-hmm. You go straight to the doctor. Every event has to have a doctor present. Every event has to have a vet present. The horse goes to report to the vet, the rider to the doctor. He's not allowed to get back on his horse. Now, that's been in place for quite a long time now. And, and, and we're taking it to another level. In, in fact, this evening, uh, I, uh, some statistics came up uh, on some research that's been done. And hear this very carefully. Is that a horse that has below a certain penalty level, in other, when I say penalty, which means a bad score in the dressage, the worse the score, the higher the risk of that rider falling off. So this research was initially done in the UK, and they had vast numbers of of number of, of riders going through courses every single weekend. There are thousands that go through courses every single weekend. So they did a statistical research, and we've done the same. And it turns out that our figures are exactly the same as theirs. The worse the dresser score, the higher the chance of the rider falling off. And it's also found out that in show jumping, if you show jump before you do cross country, if you have for more than four poles, you're not allowed to start cross country. Why? Because statistically, you have a very higher chance of falling off if the horses are poles. So if you understand you knock a pole in show jumping, the pole will fall. If you knock that pole the same pole in cross country, uh, there's a very high chance the rider's going to fall off. So we've introduced a rule that says if you knock more than four poles, you can't start cross country. Okay. So these are the st- the, the additions we've done very recently to make our sport safer. And from an equipment's perspective, Douglas, I know that you are very strict about the safety standards of the helmets used in cross-country, um, but also body protectors. Yeah, we every show has tech checkers before you go cross-country. Um, well, there's certain standards we have to adhere to. Um, it can be quite expensive, sadly, sadly, okay. but it's only implemented at the higher levels because now... Now the risk gets huge. If you go to lower levels, you know, I, I know I, I've attended some of these challenger series, the new ones, and I, I did all, all the, uh, I was at every single one of the test series, and I think I had one rider fall off out of 70, 80 starters. The rider bounced back on his feet and wanted to continue. He said, don't get checked by the doctor. He says, he says, no, check the doctor, and I want to start again. So, so we have very, very high safety standards in eventing. We have to have. Um, it, there, there is a certain amount of risk, but it's an international process to try, a, a procedure to try and make our sport safer. Hmm. Uh, and also, it, any, any sport that I think you have to ride with your medical aid card 
is a for me it's a double-edged first i think it's a fantastic idea we should all be safer but secondly how exciting i think if there isn't um if there isn't a chance that you might need your medical aid card what are you doing douglas come on <laughs> you know what i can tell you that uh, i was a show jumper uh, and a, a fairly good one i, I do recall winning a, a class at the epal indoor and that gives away my age a little bit in the international competitions and i and in after army i've uh, uh, and converting to eventing i've never gone back that adrenaline rush that pump when you finish it's it's you versus the course it's you in the relationship with the horse there is no better feeling i can assure you that and i've ridden unfortunately i've ridden all over the world i've been very 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 lucky in my in my sporting career to to have met wonderful people and be able to have the opportunity to ride it number of different countries um there's nothing there's nothing like that feeling georgie finishing that cross-country course there's nothing like it um douglas uh, just to take a little segue into that i do believe looking on your cv that you competed at the world equestrian games why don't you tell us a little bit about the highest level that you've competed at and just what that entailed because i think that those are the levels that so many riders dream about um until we walk the track of course <laughs> yeah. So so I was part of the team that went to uh, Weg, Weg in Kentucky in 2010. We were lucky to get a African horse sickness. We could chip our horses out. We all trained in South Africa under our national coach, Jean-Philippe Camboli, the Frenchman, he, fantastic coach. Um, reduced down to six of us that traveled to France, quarantined in Cape Town, shipped the horses over, we arrived in France uh, late January. And by the first week in February, I was at Samir jumping a four-star short. Uh, it was snowing. It was goddamn cold. Uh, 80 starters, and I finished 20th. I was just That's over amazing. the moon. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven at that moment <laughs> as well. Uh, that being said, I continued my journey. Um, I rode another three events in France, jumped three clear rounds at every single one. The coach said, Douglas, pack your horse away, go home for a little holiday. And prepare prepare for for uh kentucky i was then chosen to ride number one for south africa to be the pathfinder um unfortunately uh i met a little bit of problem around kentucky i jumped clear and i was within the time uh at about jump number 18 i came across the enormous ditch palisade and my horse king's career decided that was just simply a bridge too far However, a very proud moment in my riding career that it, us from small beginnings in South Africa could take it right up to that level. Um, I made a lot of friends. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, back, the teamwork was great. We had a fantastic time and, and we, we all learned a lot about the sport. I come back to South Africa, a better, more rounded and educated rider from that experience. I now, as a president of Venice South Africa, wish everybody to have an opportunity to do what I managed to do. Granted, we have we have hurdles in our way here in South Africa of African horse sickness, and I understand that really well because I was the, the, the chairman of the African Horse Sickness Trust for 15 years. So I understand the hurdles more than anybody else. That being said, we have a window period now, and I'm absolutely convinced we're going to be shipping horses out this country before the end of this year. And... We have at eventing have been preparing. We've run two four-star events to qualify. Very excited. We've got one horse and rider combination that have jumped two qualifiers, one more qualifier required, and Paris could be a real thing. Paris 2024 Olympics. 
Could it be a real thing for a South African-based rider on a South African-based horse uh, uh, produced in South Africa over our courses and with our structures in South Africa? Very exciting. That's it. That's incredible, Douglas. That really is. And um, it's something that I think I spoke to Oliver Lazarus on this podcast and he spoke so highly of the opportunity to compete internationally and said that it's so much easier. I feel like this about dressage schoolmaster horses, that it's so much easier to go one way again when you've been there before. So high performance does, in a way, set the tone for development because once we've been to an event like that, it's much easier to go a second time. The first time, always the hardest, right? Absolutely. Um, What's the biggest challenge facing South Africans trying to qualify? I would imagine building the four-star tracks for a start is quite expensive. Then, of course, there is the expense of going overseas. You've spoken so much about the kind of terrain and climate and how that influences the horses. Is that something that our Olympic potential will have to face once they're over there? Georgie, I, I think not. I've done the process, and I did the process with with Graham Wynne and Martin Swanabal and and uh, Heidi Kane, Paul Hart, I don't think we were disadvantaged in any way whatsoever. That's fantastic. I, you know, a jump's a jump. Uh, the going soft or hard. You know, yeah. you change your studs according to the going. I don't think we disadvantaged at all. Potentially, in terms of the crowd and atmosphere, but I don't think. That's interesting. I didn't even thought about that. That's. You know, if you go to Babington, people are standing five deep all the your whole track. And in South Africa, at Northern Farms, you go out, you won't see a, you won't see anybody standing on the track apart from. What I, I'm hearing you saying, Douglas, is we need more spectators. Oh uh, yeah, I wish, I wish, I really wish. But but what I will say is that, um, as as the president of a sporting code in equestrian sport, I think it's my job not just to build the base of the sport and provide the sport with safety aspects locally, is also to give the riders in my sport an opportunity to dream to be an Olympic athlete. And if we're not actually following our dreams and creating the opportunity for our riders, I'll be failing in my job as the president of Eventing South Africa. We've got great horses. We've got very skilled riders. And... We do the right things to produce the horses. We are following the FER's development processes, and we do produce good riders and good horses. We have FER shows here on a regular basis. Our riders are competing on the international standard in South Africa. We'd be failing in our duty. I'd certainly be failing in my duty as president of eventing if I didn't drive this process to actually give an opportunity for South African-based riders, because you must understand, we've got overseas-based riders as well, and very good ones. He's, Alexander Petenel's been to London Olympics. Vicky Scott, she went to Tokyo Olympics. We've got very good riders overseas. However, I don't want to see my 14-year-old daughter wanting at 16, 17 to go move overseas and uh, clean stables out to start a process to be a top rider. I'd love her to be able to do it from South Africa, and that's my goal. I love that. That's lovely. Um, I, I, we were also very fortunate to interview Jean-Philippe when he was out here um, for the FEI General Assembly in November. And he's now the head of the Solidarity Development Project. And he speaks very highly about his time and experience working with the South African event riders. So I think that that's really lovely. And I think that your development project with the Eventing Challenge Series ties really beautifully with the high-performance um, aspirations, Douglas of the sport. I think that's great. 
you know, when you're running a sport as eventing, which is not the easiest sport, and a little arena with some sand and a couple of poles and uprights, this eventing is not that sort of a sport. It's it's a lot more complex to do it. Mm. However, there's a lot of very passionate people in it. And it really does seem to have some of the most impassioned members, I must say. You guys all look very, very invested. Without a shadow of doubt. And <laughs> when, when I'm sitting chairing my Eventing South Africa Council meetings, you can believe it, it is very passionate people involved. And I'm very blessed that I'm involved with it, yes. I was just going to say horses and uh, sherry at the finish line. I don't know what's, what people wouldn't love about that, you know. <laughs> Um, if people want to get involved in eventing, Douglas, so we've spoken, obviously, there's this wonderful challenge series. What would they need from an equipment perspective? Are there barriers to entry from that regard? I know you guys have done a lot to overcome that as much as possible. Yes, well, well, for the dressage phase, uh, the dressage rules will apply. For show jumping phase, show jumping rules will apply. But when it comes to doing cross-country itself, we, we require body protectors and cross-country helmets that are up to standard. Those are the next two best things. There's a lot of finer technical details that come involved, the type of stirrups they use, that show jumpers can use, we can't use, uh, and, and various things. But that's at a higher level. To start with, come to Challenger Series in your jumping outfit, and we'll get you going in eventing. I love that. That's fantastic. What a great, what a great discipline to be doing so much to get people um, started. Um, we spoke briefly about the value of the South African thoroughbred to eventing. What other kinds of horses are best suited to eventing? I've been to shows and I've seen everything from Burpats to Appaloosas. I've seen Percherons. I've seen it all. Everybody can event any horse. I'm of the opinion most horses can jump over barrel height from a standstill, quite frankly. So every horse can event Welsh ponies. I've seen my daughter started on a section A Welsh. You know, everybody can event. And and lots of horses take to it. it even Arabs are super little junior event horses. Uh, but when it comes to the higher level, we require a, a probably a much more athletic, fast type of horse. So that's the South African thoroughbred fits hand in glove to what we require. Um, internationally, they tend to be crossing... Uh, uh, the warm bloods with a lot more blood, we refer to blood as thoroughbred, uh, they're crossing more blood in, and, and the trend is to try and get a 75% blood in the horse. Why? You'll have the mentality of a warm blood and some movement, but you'll also have the feistiness, the heart, and the, and, and the athleticism, and the speed of a thoroughbred. That's the tendency at the higher levels. Lower levels, anything goes. Well, Douglas, also, I've got a few friends who are horse breeders, and they would argue that the, you run the risk of landing up with something that has the brain of the thoroughbred and the athleticism of a warm blood. But that is the risk that our breeders run. You know, I think breeding is another very, very tough job. Um, what are some of the challenges facing eventing in South Africa? Um, and the one that's, that springs to mind for me, I suppose, because we're in Kailami, where so much development is happening here at the moment, is space. Yes, what are some I of the... Georgie, you're absolutely right. We're losing venues hand over fist. You know, I can recall going uh, eventing in Johannesburg uh, in the old days where I used to live up there, and there were six, seven different venues easily. We'd have lots of shows on on the go. Uh, 
that land's all turned into development land and housing projects, et cetera, et cetera. So we've lost venues. And I, I can tell you, we're not inventing Shogweni this weekend because they're cutting a road through, through for the next year. So we're not inventing. Uh, and, and not only that, our space is squeezed. We need space. We need space to pick up speed and gallop over fences. And, and that is probably the biggest dent in our sport going forward. However, I must be honest that through this uh, Challenger series, we're finding events. We're unearthing places. Uh, we evented our first show in Limpopo province last weekend at the ranch in Polokwane. I'm sure you've heard of it. And so exciting. It was really wonderful to hear that events were attending there. No, very grateful for Jay Lee and Paul for making it, it happen. And what a fantastic venue. So when we lose some on one hand, we must go, go out of our way to find things on the other hand. And it was a fantastic event. Ran up to three-star FEI. So brilliant new venue. So with that being said, I'm very positive about the future. And I tell you what, I'm of the opinion that our Challenger Series is going to unearth a lot more fantastic venues and opportunities for our sport. It sounds brilliant. I'm really, I think it's just such a great initiative. Douglas, what's what else is coming for eventing in the next year? What is the what is the future of the sport? Well, uh, uh, with a bit of luck, we'll have two athletes at Paris Olympics. That to us will be like an amazing thing. We've only ever had one athlete per Olympic Games. This one we might have two. Uh, we started a high performance program to try and put together a team, and this includes our young rider growth plan going towards. The next week. Um, so the two sides is grow the base through the Challenger Series and prepare our athletes for high performance at WEG and Olympic Games. That's our two focuses. Um, we are having an FEI uh, officials seminar at Oak Springs at our national championships in November to try and build our officials base to get them more on the, on the, on the FEI because Importing officials from international officials. For I was going to say, that, that must be one, one of the challenges facing the sport besides the space is that you actually need more people just involved as officials and stewards. Enormous amount of officials. You know, it's an event, you know, it's it's vets, it's stewards, it's course designers, assistant course designers, technical delegates, assistants, the list goes on. So we had, we, we managed to convince FER to give us a, a seminar they send out all the directors in November. We're running a huge seminar to try and build our base of officials. It's very important. And I urge any mothers and fathers of, of competitors to come and get involved. We have a program to develop officials. And how do they get involved with that, Douglas? Who do they oh, contact? Once again, yeah, once again, they get to go to the Eventing South Africa website. Um, Eleanor Ware, who's one of our top officials in the sport, she's in charge of officials. Contact her. She'll get you involved in a process whereby you could start as a learner judge or you could start as a learner steward, as a learner cross-country uh, course designer. We have a program that's all fitted out for, for bringing everybody into the sport where we can. Douglas, besides the thrill of eventing, what is the thing that you love most about the sport? I think the people and the horses. Okay. You know, event riders spend... I don't need a string of eight horses to be an event rider. I just need one good one. So I end up spending a lot more time with my horse. And so do all of everybody else in the sport. We come with one horse. You only need one horse to win an eventing. And it's a, it's a really tough challenge. So um, I've had some fantastic horses in my life, very dear to me. And I generally uh, have only ever had one really good horse at a time. So my horse is my favorite part. 
the people are actually amazing. If you were at the party, the riders' party at Polokwani, even <laughs> times after COVID and we're pulling ourselves together, everybody had an absolute blast. It was fantastic. It certainly does seem to be a sport of great horsemanship and camaraderie. And um, I think speaking to a president who sounds so enthusiastic about it really does relay that, Douglas. So just to recap, anyone who's keen to get involved in eventing can visit the website, get involved with your your um, technical officer, Eleanor Weir. And anyone who's keen to run an eventing challenge series from their venue, and perhaps we can get some dressage riders to do it. I'm sure a dressage horse could go over 35 centimeters. Can reach out to Matthew Smith. Absolutely. Those are two. Eleanor is, in fact, in charge of our officials. Uh, Matthew first, Matthew does the development side. And uh, our go-to person really is Colin Crawford, who's our Secretary General. Fantastic. Look forward to welcoming new riders. Really do. Mm, no, it's, 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 a, it's a worthwhile endeavor, I think. Is there anything else you would like to say to any of our listeners? Yeah, I'd like to say to them all, follow, follow us, uh, Eventing South Africa. Uh, we've got a new uh, Instagram page where we're posting everything we're doing, especially our overseas riders. Um, we, we try and be very inclusive about our overseas riders that are, are preparing for, for big shows on a continual basis. We're all in the last throws of, of, of the four-star qualifiers to get to Paris Olympics. I'd love to think that we can maybe hopefully get a horse into top 20 in the world at the Olympic Games. That would be a, an absolute dream. A first prize would to get two, two uh, riders to compete for South Africa at the Olympic Games uh, and, 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 and get somebody into the top, top 20. That's the top end of our sport. Uh, come and enjoy it at Challenger Series at the bottom end. And then we'll, we'll meet you all somewhere in the middle. When will the next four-star qualify in South Africa be if people want to come and watch and support and get our riders ready for the um, throngs of people that are attending Paris? Right. It will be at, at uh, Oak Springs, which is in outside Boy River. It's our national championship as well. And that is on the second weekend of November. Fantastic. Douglas, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us tonight. It's thank really been fantastic having you on the podcast. Thank you, Georgie. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks. Well, I'm sure we're going to have you back um, in uh, we, while you're preparing to fly out of the out of South Africa. Hopefully, look forward to it. Yes. <laughs> if you've just joined us, this has been the spotlight on eventing South Africa, one of the most exciting disciplines that we have to offer under the SAEF. Looking on amazing things from the from sorry high performance as well as the grassroots development level. This was Douglas Walsh, the president of Eventing South Africa, and this has been from the horse's mouth, the SAEF podcast. <laughs>